You're listening to To Dine for the Podcast, the Shot Put Media production, presented by MasterCard. Start something priceless. What's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by Terlato Wine Group. American National Insurance, and Spiritless. At the beginning of this podcast, I ask, what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? While the To Dine For podcast provides the restaurants and the people, where are you getting your wine? Uncork.com is an online wine shop that brings the best part of buying wine right into your home. This carefully curated collection of wines range in price to accommodate every budget, from everyday best buys all the way to very special occasion wines. Uncork.com features family-owned wineries from all corners of the globe, California to France, Washington to Italy. If you're looking to broaden your wine horizons, learn about new producers and get great customer service, just like your local wine shop, head over to uncork.com. Use code TDF20 to get 20% off your first purchase. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. Before we get to the podcast, I want to share the story of three young women who are carving their own path in the beverage industry. They started a company called Spiritless. Their first product is called Kentucky 74, and it's a non-alcoholic bourbon. You can use it as the base for so many delicious mocktails or drink it by itself on the rocks. What I like to do is go halvesies, meaning you mix it with a foolproof bourbon to lower the ABV in your cocktail. I put a little honey, cinnamon, and an orange slice, and it is truly delicious. If you'd like to enjoy an evening cocktail with no guilt, you can use promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Welcome to To Dine For The Podcast, where we meet the world's most innovative and fascinating minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is Brad Ludden. Success has to be defined by the individual, and then it's it's just our job to be sure that they feel like they've succeeded, whatever that is. And that's different for every single person. Brad Ludden was born in Wyoming and raised in Northwest Montana. He has always spent his days outside, through all four seasons, across continents, and on some of the world's most remote rivers, charting unexplored territory. His love and passion for adventure in the outdoors led him to become a professional whitewater kayaker. At the age of 12, 
Brad saw his aunt endure breast cancer, and he began volunteering for a local oncology program by teaching participants how to kayak. It was at this moment that the idea for First Descents was born, a nonprofit organization that provides free, life-changing outdoor adventures to young adults impacted by cancer. He is also the founder of Stoke Broker, a company that creates life-defining outdoor adventures. Please enjoy my interview with Brad Ludden. Hi, Brad. How are you? Well, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for joining us on To Dine For The Podcast. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. exciting. It is exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you? You have a beautiful snowy scene behind you. this This is my home in Montana. Oh my goodness, that is breathtaking. It's it's beautiful. We're lucky to live here. And every morning looking out the windows, I'm kind of stunned. Okay, so you grew up in Wyoming, right? I was born in Wyoming. I was actually raised in Montana. What was it like to grow up in Montana? What was that experience like? Well, uh, there's not a lot to do unless you're outside. So um, <laughs> you spend a lot of time in the outdoors, which is great. I, I mean, I've truly love it. It's my passion. It's what led to so many things I've done in my life. But uh, otherwise, it was pretty hard to be entertained. And when you say being outside, what specifically do you like to do? I know you're a a kayaker extraordinaire, but beyond that, are you a hiker? Are you a skier? What what, what really do you love when you're outside? Oh, my goodness. Well, we have four very distinct seasons here. So there's uh, each season has a good activity to go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, kayaking, obviously, as you said, was a, a passion that got a little carried away and um, became a job. But beyond that, I love backpacking, fly fishing, archery hunting. Uh, I do a lot of backcountry aviation. I love to ski in the winter, uh, backcountry tour, cross-country ski, skate ski, mountain bike. Um, you know, you, you build a house and the, the primary focus of the home is the garage because that's where you store all your toys. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'm the, I'm the mom of three little boys, so I'm very familiar with the garage oh, and go. all the activities that go <laughs> on in there. Um, I usually start a podcast by asking the guests their favorite restaurant, and I'm really curious to hear where that is for you. I have been to Wyoming, but I've never been to Montana, so I'm interested to hear where your favorite spot is. You know, I, I thought about this a bit. And I think the one that I would say it's my favorite because of the memories it holds for me and certainly the food. Um, but there's this place called the Hell Roaring Chalet right at the base of our ski area. It's been there since since I moved here. The Hell Roaring Saloon? Yeah, Hell Roaring <laughs> Saloon. You can't make it up, right? Um, and it's, you know, you go in and it, it's got all the walls are just covered in old ski you know, signed autograph skis from Olympians past. And they're always playing some old Warren Miller ski film in there. And it hasn't really changed since I was a kid. And so it just holds these great memories and they serve the most amazing nachos. And so if you've been out skiing all day, you go in there and you get a plate of nachos. And I always say my claim to fame, I wrote in the fifth grade, I had to write an essay about my favorite restaurant. And I, I wrote it about that place. And then Later, as my career picked up and, and things happened, I got on the cover of a magazine and they ended up, my mom gave them the essay and they took the cover of the magazine, framed it. And so I, I hold a little place on the wall in there. Like, oh, like I said, that's, that my, great? that's my claim to fame. Well, and also, Brad, you might be the first guest whose favorite restaurant when they were in the fifth grade is still the same restaurant <laughs> as it is today. So that speaks to who you are, you know, oh, from, from way back. 
for better or worse, right? It also <laughs> speaks to maybe how few restaurants are in Montana. But. <laughs> well, I look forward to, if I ever go to Montana, he- heading over there and, and trying the nachos. So thank you for the recommendation. Pleasure. Um, I recommend it. I, let's, let's begin at the beginning here. You know, obviously as a kid, born in Wyoming, growing up in Montana, and with the plethora of activities that you had to choose from, where did your love of kayaking and really your skill and ability to kayak get started? I would say my love of it was born out of, well, my mom actually, just when she moved, when we moved to Montana, she decided she needed, uh, she loved water and she needed something to do in the water. There's so much water, fresh water here, natural, beautiful rivers. And so she picked up kayaking, which at that time was a really brave move. I mean, very few people kayaked and, and you know, for better or worse, just not a lot of women were in the sport. It was a very male-dominant sport. And fortunately, that's changed a lot over the years. But back then, it was kind of a crazy thing to do. And I think my dad felt maybe a bit emasculated, so he, he decided <laughs> he had to get into it as well. Uh, and it just became this every week and in, in the spring and summer, we would go as a family to these rivers. And my sister and I were too young to kayak at the time. So we'd watch my parents and I just developed a real love for, you know, the experience surrounding kayaking. And so when I got a little bigger, when I was nine, my parents bought my first kayak for me and my sister. And it was kind of a love hate thing, to be honest, in the beginning, it was really scary for me. And just like my dad, my sister was better at than me and I felt probably emasculated and I, you know, sibling rivalry kicked in. And so I stuck with it. Uh, and around about the age of 12, I just, something clicked. I fell in love with it. Mm. Um, and it, it consumed me. It was all I could think about. It's all I wanted to do. I was skipping school. As soon as I got my driver's license, I was skipping school to kayak. And I think that's when my parents realized like, okay, you know, we should embrace this passion. We should support it because he's going to do it one way or another. Uh, and so that they started helping me, you know, travel to train. And in the summers, I would get jobs at rafting companies, doing safety kayaking, whatever I could do to make ends meet, just to keep kayaking. Uh, and so I think that's where I built my skill set for it. You know, a- anytime I would save up money, I would spend it on a trip to go kayaking. And so when I was in my early teens, I was traveling internationally. I mean, sleeping on the side of roads, I was like scraping by, but I loved it, and that gave me a bit of attention in the community, just as this young, passionate kayaker that then I got into these films and then I started getting sponsors and, you know, one thing led to another. And, uh, I woke up one day at 30 and decided I should probably do something else with my life. So. <laughs> well, first of all, cheers to you for, you know, developing your passion. You, it sounds like you became a bit fanatical, but in a good way, I think if you're going to be really good at something, no matter what it is in life, you have to become a bit fanatical and really obsessed with it. It sounds like that's where you were at that young age. Tell me a little bit about your aunt and how her cancer diagnosis affected you and how it galvanized you in a totally different direction? Yeah. So when I was in my early teens and actually my love of kayaking was just developing, um, my aunt was diagnosed with cancer and it was the first time that everyone, you know, hears about cancer, but then it became very personal to, to me and to our family. It was a really hard few years and it just opened my eyes, I think, to to the fact, you know, I, I was living a really blessed life. I was so lucky. I, I had my health. I, my parents loved me. We, every, I had everything going well. And so when you see something detonate someone that close to you and, and really upend their life, uh, it opened my eyes to the, to the fact that, you know, that this world has some challenges and, and there are a lot of people who don't have it so good. 
Um, and it affected me quite a bit. Uh, and so a number of years later, uh, as I continued my pursuit of kayaking, I was always trying to find ways to, to work with people with cancer. Mm. My mom, actually, she was very philanthropic and she was volunteering at local pediatric oncology programs. And I would show up and take all my kayaks. I had amassed tons of kayaks at this point. And I would show up with all my kayaks. And I would just teach the kids on a pond how to kayak for a day. And I just fell in love with it. It brought so much more meaning to what I was doing. And it really deepened my passion for this sport, knowing that I, this little gift I had to give that could bring a bit of a bright spot to someone else's life. And that's all it was in the beginning. Isn't it something that when we have a passion, it's always best shared, whether it's my love of food, your love of kayaking, but if you really enjoy something, it's always better to to teach someone or to to have uh, the experience of showing someone. That's why I, on To Dine For, we go to the restaurant with somebody because it's always fun to see where someone else loves, what, what someone else is passionate about. And I think you really hit the nail on the head when you talked about just that ability to pass along your love. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm or your life, You can count on your local American national agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American national companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. At the beginning of this podcast, I ask, what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? While the To Dine For podcast provides the restaurants and the people, where are you getting your wine? 
Uncork.com is an online wine shop that brings the best part of buying wine right into your home. This carefully curated collection of wines range in price to accommodate every budget, from everyday best buys all the way to very special occasion wines. Uncork.com features family-owned wineries from all corners of the globe, California to France, Washington to Italy. If you're looking to broaden your wine horizons, learn about new producers and get great customer service, just like your local wine shop, head over to uncork.com. Use code TDF20 to get 20% off your first purchase. Now back to our conversation. Tell me a little bit about how first Descents, yeah. how did that come to be? I think it, the, the seed was planted there when I was volunteering locally with my mom. The idea itself was born when I, I came to a crossroads in my own life. I was sort of staring down the barrel of the college gun, so to speak, or I could continue pursuing my career at that time, my very young career as an athlete. My dad had very strong opinions about me going <laughs> to college, um, but I just, I wasn't, I didn't want to go to college. And so I, I thought long and hard about what that decision meant. You know, if I was going to pursue kayaking, what would bring meaning to it? Being an athlete is really fun, but uh, it's also very self-centered, self-serving, uh, you know, you, you are the product that you are promoting, you know? And so I thought about that and I realized that if I can find a way to take, you know, what you just touched on to share that passion with more and more people, then it would be a choice worth making mm. to, to forego college and to pursue this, this wild, weird life as a, a nomadic athlete. And so I decided then and there that uh, I wanted to create a program that worked with people who were my aunt's age. She was in her thirties. So she's technically a young adult within the medical community. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to create a way to teach people like my aunt how to kayak. And I didn't know if that would help them in any way. I didn't know if it bring any meaning to them, but I just knew it was something I wanted to do and that it would make that decision to pursue my athletic career, uh, a valuable one to me. Interesting. So in a way it, for better, or for worse, it allowed you to justify going into what you saw as a very self-absorbed passion, which it really speaks to you and your um, how considerate you are of looking at the big picture of everything. I, I, I think very few athletes would even think of it to that level of depth. So kudos to you. How did you begin once you had the idea for First Descents? How did you begin to create it? Oh man, uh, it was a rocky couple of years. Uh, <laughs> it always is. Oh my goodness. You know, it, I, I think it was just, I started telling everyone who would listen about this idea. I started trying to research how to start a nonprofit. You know, for example, one of my kayak buddies was also an attorney and he overheard me talking about it. And he said, well, I'll help you set up a 501c3. And I was like, I didn't even know I needed one, you know? And so mm -hmm. it, was, it, it was just a series of really fortunate events that the sort of biggest of which was uh, I had a meeting with the town of Vail, Colorado, mm -hmm. about a year after I'd been working on First Descents, and they were kind of recruiting me to come move to Vail and promote their summer market, and which was appealing to me because I didn't really have a home at that point. I was still on the road 300 days a year, and I was like, oh, a home sounds kind of cool. And so as we, they began a negotiation of what it would take to get me to do that, and I said, well, I'll do this for free if you guys can help me have this idea. I've got this you know, this 501c3 setup, I just don't have any manpower, any support to get it off the ground. So if you guys can help me with that, we'll call it even. Uh, and they very kindly jumped on it. And so we formed the board of the first board of directors, who was also like the first group of volunteers. And 
you know, we somehow pieced this thing together uh, and it led to the first program in August of 2001. We took 15 young adults with cancer kayaking on the Colorado River and it was absolutely life-changing and for me, certainly. And I think for them too. And and how was it life-changing? Well, I mean, for me, it was just, it was the most meaningful thing I'd ever done to, mm. to, to, to be able to, you know, as, as we said, to share my love of something in a way that benefited someone else was, mm-hmm. it was like a profound experience for me. One I never knew I could have, mm. um, seeing these guys, seeing the, the physical, the emotional changes in, in them over the course of a week, hearing the testimonials, we've since published a couple of peer studies. And so we have a much better idea of like, the impact that it's having and, and the positive benefits that it's having. But at the time we just, I just knew it was meaningful, you know, I mean, deeply meaningful. And so that's when we, I think as, as an organization, we are a little blown away to be honest and thought, okay, well now we have an obligation to continue this. First Descents. How did you come up with that name? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a weird name. So, so in my career, sort of the, the pinnacle achievement I, I could have achieved as an athlete was to, be the first person to, to explore, to kayak a section of river. That was kind of our, you know, our Super Bowl for lack of better analogy, but it was the ultimate exploration. And with it, with every first descent, there was a ton of uncertainty, but the only certainty is that you would, you would change over the course of the experience. You know, if you were on a river for a few days and, and you were the first person in there, the challenges you faced would, would really like define you as a human and you would take off that river probably a better version of yourself. Uh, you, you would have grown and learned a lot about yourself, uh, connected with your friends. And so for me, when I thought about this, I wanted to deliver that same type of transformational experience through kayaking. Granted, you know, not through like classics, horrendous white water with crocodiles and things, but more so like a lot of people may have done this river before them, but it's their first time down it. So it's their first descent of that river. And metaphorically speaking, hopefully, uh, there's a lot of transformation that occurs in that process. Oh, fascinating. I didn't know that's what it meant. So a first descent is the first person to kind of explore a river by kayak. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Oh, that's amazing. And so all that goes with, I mean, I'm a big traveler. So I think about, you know, how I can compare that emotion is like getting into a new city with an actual map in my hand and and trying to figure out how to get to a landmark or to try to see it for the very first time and explore it and kind of there's something really thrilling about walking around a new city for me uh that is just it's kind of euphoric yeah yeah that's cool you know and it's kind of nerve-wracking there's anticipation there's excitement at the end of it you know you look back and it's those experiences that really stand out, you know, as you look back over the course of your life, I think. And, and so, that, you know, yeah, it's the same, same exact experience for sure. So where is First Descents now? Are you still continuing with the program or has it evolved? Oh man, it's evolved a lot. We are, so it's based in Denver now. We added, as much as I love kayaking, we realize not everybody loves kayaking. So we added <laughs> some rock climbing, some surfing, some ice climbing. Now we do trekking, mountain biking. It's pretty much any outdoor adventure you could imagine. Um, we've expanded all over the country. We run some international programming. Probably five years ago, we started working with young adults with MS mm. because we found that they were having, it's a similar age demographic with that was very underserved, facing a lot of the same psychosocial challenges as young adults with cancer. And so we, we were excited to serve that community. And then over the course of the pandemic, we couldn't serve either of those populations given the pandemic. 
So we pivoted and started serving frontline healthcare workers. Mm. And that was a really rewarding experience. And so we're going to continue working with with the medical field in perpetuity now, uh, providing these experiences for them to connect, for them to talk about what the challenges they're facing, to have an experience that's centered around them because they're always giving and centering, you know, their energy on someone else. And so mm-hmm. we think that's a, that's a program that'll stick around. So that's kind of a snapshot of, of where it is today. It's come quite a ways. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you are clearly an adventurous person who loves to be out in the outdoors and has probably a pretty high risk tolerance, or you've at least developed it through your time in in outdoor activities. What do you do with somebody who doesn't have that innately, right? Who is kind of scared, who isn't sure they can kayak? What do you say to them? And how do you coach them to really overcome that trepidation? It's, it's, Certainly true. You know, we all have our different comfort level when it comes to that stuff. Um, and we found over the years that a lot of people are really risk averse, which is totally healthy and normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've designed the program to, to be very staff heavy. So we do smaller groups of people for longer periods of time. And each person, we, we want to be sure that each person that attends a program can really meet their goal for that week. And for some people, that might just be getting in a kayak and a pond and flipping over and coming out of it. That might be the whole week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they can ride on the raft from there on. You know, so it's, we learn that success has to be defined by the individual. And, and then it's, it's just our job to be sure that they feel like they've succeeded, mm-hmm. whatever that is. And, and that's different for every single person. And so at the end of the week, the goal is just that they feel like they walked away having accomplished something they set out to achieve. Oh, that's great. So let me take that one step further because I I get the excitement, I get the fun, I get the thrill of it all, but I want you to explain specifically for a cancer patient who's going through something really, really tough, what you're having them do does for them. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Through through studies, actually, we've come to see that uh, it does quite a few things. For them individually, we see uh, a lot of our young adults that, that attend these programs have lost confidence in, in their physical body. Mm. They sort of have a, you know, I think it's something many of us take for granted, but the trust, that relationship they have with their physical form has been severed. And so this is an opportunity for them to regain it, to regain some, some confidence in their physical abilities and their body and, and start to trust it again. With that comes an increased sense of self-compassion. A lot of them, this is the first time that they've ever met someone else their age with cancer, which is always shocking to me. 70,000 are diagnosed in the U.S. each year. And yet they have almost across the board, everyone feels feelings of isolation or alienation when they're diagnosed. And so to bring them together in a way that where, you know, you put people in a kayak and no one's ever kayaked. So everyone's on the same playing field. They're all going through the shared experience of kayaking and bonding over it. And then that opens the door to really have meaningful, organic discussion about their experience with cancer that they haven't had with anyone before. And so forming this, this community around this adventure that will carry forward, you know, it doesn't end there, it begins there. It seems that that provides a lot of relief for them as well. We've seen people come to us with clinical levels of anxiety and leave without them. Mm. Um, so, you know, just a, a whole host of things that happens by simply getting someone out into nature and having a good adventure. 
I love what you said about defining success for the individual and then finding a way to make them feel successful and to set them up for success. Because so much in life, um, when we lose confidence, when we start to get depressed, we that slips away from us the sense of what is successful and the fact that maybe we could achieve it. So to give them something I can imagine is incredibly powerful. When you think about your entire journey with First Descents, what do you say to your dad when you guys talk about the idea that you didn't go to college and then you went off? You didn't go to college, right? Or have you gotten a degree since? I didn't. I, okay. I did get accepted to college, though, so I'm really proud of that. I felt like <laughs> but but I mean, look at look at everything you've achieved and accomplished and taken based on the passion that you felt. You obviously made that decision at a young age. And you really took it and ran with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think just like my blind passion for, for kayaking and, and belief that it would all work out when in hindsight, none of it should have. Uh, I sort of carried that same, maybe I'm just naive. I don't know. But when, when I get something in my head that I'm excited about or passionate about, I just do it. Um, I think my dad was, he was really skeptical my mom was always very supportive of it. My dad was always very skeptical. So when it, when it succeeded, you know, whatever that is, my mom was like, I knew it would. And my dad was like, I'm shocked. So he's, <laughs> I, I had a couple, I like, I told you so moments with my dad, <laughs> but he's certainly come around. He's so proud of it. He's been involved as a volunteer throughout the years with us. You know, he loves it. It was his sister who was diagnosed and that catalyzed so much of this. So it's, He's still not too quick to admit that it was the right decision, but he subtly does. Tell me, um, how has your personal definition of success changed from when you think back to your teenage years to, to what success is now for you today? Oh, it's, it couldn't be more different. <laughs> I mean, back then I thought success was like winning the world championships or, you know, or, or kayaking a few of the rivers that were on my bucket list which, you know, those things are fine. But now I think success is truly about the impact you make in, in the lives of others or in the world around you. And that impact can be big or small. It, you know, I mean, it can be as simple as volunteering at a local nonprofit or, or just going and picking up trash on your local road, but just doing something bigger than yourself for me has, has completely come to define success. I think everything else is a distant second. How can people find you, Brad? Uh, the best thing is just go to firstdescents.org. And then from there, I'm, yeah, it's, that should be a pretty good gateway into everything. Fantastic. I've enjoyed this conversation so much. Thank you so much for your time. And Thank cheers you. to you and your gorgeous view. Enjoy. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National, Spiritless, and Terlato Wine Group. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.